Hey, hey guys, it's your girl Olivia Slap and Swatis, also known as the Lioness of Shame Watch Pod. We are so pumped for you guys to listen to this latest episode in our Rocktober series. La La Land is a movie we've been wanting to cover for quite some time, as y'all will find out very shortly. I do want to give y'all a heads up, though, a trigger warning. Uh, kind of a few minutes into the episode, I talk about my grandmother who passed away from stage four breast cancer, which is known as metastatic breast cancer. So if you are somebody who has lost a loved one to this terrible, terrible disease, uh, any, any form of cancer really, or you just know somebody who's gone through it, or you've taken care of a loved one, um, if that's something that you are still grieving over, which is totally understandable, just go ahead. Uh, as soon as I kind of start talking about it, just skip over like two minutes. I wanted to provide that courtesy for you guys because as somebody who's gone through that, it's not a club that you want to be a part of, but um, I want to be sensitive to our listeners. Um, that being said, I want to dedicate this episode to my grandmother, Estella Shamanic, and uh, I, go, I go more into detail um, on what this movie signified um, in our relationship and in her life. Um, and this, this month is uh, Breast Cancer Awareness Month, so I wanted to shed light on a, a form of breast cancer that's not really talked about. It's stage four. As I mentioned, it's called MBC, metastatic breast cancer. And what that means is after the cancer has spread to other parts of the body outside of the breast, it becomes terminal, mostly pretty much terminal. And um, it's one of those situations where it can only be treated. It can't be cured. And I... I, I I wanted to raise awareness about this because while it's so important for us to, you know, while it's so important for us to, you know, try to find it early, um, we, we push for early screening, we, we push for those treatments um, that will allow the, you know, just to take out the cancer when we can. Um, not a lot of light is given on you know, what happens when it's already spread and, and, you know, it's too late. I wanted to raise awareness about a nonprofit organization called Metaviver. 100% of the funds that they receive uh, from donations and whatnot goes directly to federal research that specializes in stage four breast cancer. Uh, and I've worked with them for the last two years, and they, they're the real deal, guys. So uh, just visit metaviver.org. That's metaviver, M-E-T-A-V-I-V-O-R.org. Now back to the show.
Uh, welcome to Shame Watch, a guilt-free dive in those massive movie failures that we hate to love. Each week, we look at a movie that either we or our guests love, but society shames them for. We peek in each nook and cranny for every bright spot, keeping the public at bay while watching these movies like the miracles that they are. And today, we are going to the City of Stars, dancing on air, and going to La La Land as we review and talk about La La Land. I'm James Fight. The grumpy one below me is the editor, the nicest Aaron. boy around town. Aaron Salinas, editor, um, nice guy. Um, happy to be here. Wouldn't want to be anywhere else. And b- below me is our chief archivist. Kenny Madison, chief archivist of flatfilms.com. We're putting out at least one episode of Shitting Watch each week. And if you're looking for bonus content, go visit us on our Patreon. We just put out James's cat's mentary. Uh, it's it's coming in a hot spoiler. James loves that movie, and I cannot no. wait to talk more cats with no. James. And right next to me is Olivia Slap and Swatas, also known as the Lioness. And for today's episode, Olivia City of Stars Swatas. I am the social media queen, and I am also everybody's favorite co-host. Let's let's no, not that's lie. No, that's percent correct. Yeah. I did research, very and that's yeah, it's yeah, verified. Yeah, yeah. Yes, um, but yeah, let's talk about this movie, man. I'm pumped. Uh, I love this movie. It makes me cry every time I watch it. Well, hold hold James. That's hold the end on. Of the episode. That's hold it. on, James. Why are we here? Why why are we here? What are we it's doing? It's Rocktober. That's that, that's a good that's a good question. Why are we here? Why are yeah. we here? Why are we here? Uh, what are we I cry myself to sleep every night with that very question. <laughs> Staring up at the ceiling as yeah. your skin grows cold and your sweat <laughs> becomes even colder. Tell <laughs> you why Rocktober. Yeah, it's Rocktober. Absolutely. It's Rocktober. All this month of October 2020, we are covering mostly musicals all month and this week it brings us to the 2016 oscar nominated film la la landstein ryan gosling emma stone and directed by damien chazelle now you might be asking yourself shame watch audience why oh why would they consider la la land la la land a film that almost won best picture were it not for the dumbness of warren Beatty and faith in a way why would you consider this a guilty pleasure well that audience that's a great great question and I i've think, been chomping at the bits to wondering why jump chomping at the bit and that's because one of our co-hosts i i, I dare say one of our most positive co-hosts mm-hmm. has some animated opinions about this film and yeah. i was hoping to get them on the record uh but before we delve into that let's talk about let's talk about why some of us might like this movie Okay, I like it because it's about love. Our <laughs> hopeless romantic. By the yes. way, if, if you like uh, when James and I talk about our singleness, we're thinking about launching a spinoff pod called Baywatch, so mm. stay tuned. Yeah, we're, we'll talk all about how, how much we hate being single and the trials and tribulations of single life as an almost 30-something. Um, anyway... I love this movie because uh, I am a hopeless romantic. I, like I said, it makes me cry every time I watch it. Uh, this time being the same. Uh, and it's because they love each other so hard, but they're bad at communicating. And uh, they ultimately choose career over love. So. 
Do you feel any degree of, of shame regarding your like of this movie? Or, or dare I say love? Because I believe while looking at your letterbox review of this movie, I think it was a whopping five stars. It might have been. I, I don't remember why upon letterbox. Sure. But uh, probably. I, I love this movie. It's, um, I, don't, I don't think I feel any shame. The only shame I feel was when I watched it two times ago. When uh, I had the realization, I was like, oh, no, I'm in this situation currently that Ryan Gosling in, is in, except I don't have a booming career yet. You wanted to start a jazz club? I did. And I almost did, too. And I'm just oh. waiting on that girl to come see me as a successful person so we can lock eyes across the room and I can be uh, silently sad but not show it to anyone. Certainly. But, yes, this... This legitimately was like I watched this movie and I had like, oh shit, this it's not working out with this person. I should end <laughs> things. And then uh I did the dumb thing. I was like, no, it'll be fine. And then she ended things a week later. Oh, that's rough, man. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Her loss, honestly. Well, thank yeah. you. Because we stand you. We stand oh, James fight on this you. pod. Thank Absolutely. You. But yeah, I, I do because it, it 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 feels like the musical numbers are so great because it's talking about all those uh, in-between signals that like you can't show in real life, but you express them through music and dance, and I love it. Uh, Olivia, what about you, girl? Yeah, so I love this movie, and I have a few really good reasons. This movie reminds me of the time when I lived in Los Angeles. I have probably talked about this before on the pod, but if I have not, I was in a program at UT that allowed me to spend a semester in LA and take classes and intern in the entertainment industry. And it was my last semester of college. So I got to do really fun stuff, like go to the Oscars and do social media, like on the red carpet and whatnot. And for me, that was Wait, when- you, you, you straight up went to the Oscars? No, okay, I should clarify. I was on the red carpet. Like I did the social media as the arrivals came in, but during the actual show, I was like in a trailer across the street, like live tweeting and watching like the the stream, like the live stream. Wow. She so, also accepted cool. an award. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. When uh for best original song, because yeah. you know, that's when my songwriting career took off. Um no, but anyway, so that 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 period was so special to me because I had worked so hard leading up to getting to to LA and it, it it was it was a period where I felt like my dreams were concrete uh, but it is also a city of loneliness and I it and I resonated with some of those feelings that are in the field uh, in the film sorry uh, and this is also a movie where you experience a lot of rejection and I felt that when I was there when I realized that I wasn't going to get a job straight out of college and I had to come back to Texas and that was hard, I felt like my dreams were broken and I was just another, another classic LA dreamer tale. And, but, but this movie always brings back the positive memories of when I lived there and I'll always be thankful for that. This movie is also really sentimental to me because uh, I'm going to put a trigger warning out to our listeners. Uh, if you know or like have had a loved one or friend, um, if you've lost somebody to cancer, then just feel free to skip this for the next two minutes or so. But yeah, this movie is really significant for me because 
this was uh, when the movie came out in theaters. It was when my grandma was undergoing cancer treatment for metastatic breast cancer. That's stage four. That's when the cancer is already spread outside of the, the breast. And that's when it's usually terminal. Um, but in the meantime, it was before we knew it was stage four. So she was just going through the regular course of treatment um, in chemotherapy and whatnot. And, you know, as you can imagine, she really couldn't go anywhere uh, just because you're constantly fatigued. I don't want to cancer splain people because I have not had cancer, but uh, it, when you are a caretaker, that's just something that you've really come to know. But thankfully, because back before the pandemic, we were allowed to go to movies. <laughs> Uh, there were a lot of theaters, there are a lot of theaters that have like those plush recliners and they make things really comfortable for the viewer. Yeah. And, and so there was a theater like that in San Antonio and my grandma went to go see that. And that was one of the last few outings that she went to and that she really got to enjoy. And, um, you know, she said she loved it. And I remember, I didn't actually, I don't remember, I don't think I went to go see it with her. I think my, my mom and my sisters did because I was back here in Austin. But I remember talking, it, uh, talking to her about it on the phone. And then I would come to San Antonio a lot uh, to help her with, you know, taking her to chemo or to get her fluids. And um, I just remember being like, Grandma, do you like, you liked it, huh? And she goes, yes. Like, yeah, Miha, I, I really enjoyed it. It was so good. And she was a big, she was a big celebrity Hollywood junkie. Like she has like seriously a lifetime subscription to people. Like I'm still getting those magazines. <laughs> um, it's amazing. And uh, I, I credit her. And I also credit my, my other grandmother, my abuela, but they both, both of them, they really are the ones who kind of got me into like the glitz and the glam and really encouraged me to go out and pursue my dreams. And at that time I wanted to be an entertainment news reporter. And so my grandma, the, the one who was undergoing cancer at the time, like we would watch E! News all the time and watch all the award shows. And so for me, this film resonates not just on a, you know, on a surface level of like, oh yeah, I went and I lived the Hollywood dream, but just something much deeper. And, and that's something that I'll always cherish. Um, even if she's no longer here, um, it's something that I, I hold dear and yeah, I'm really, really thankful for that. I, at the same time, I, I am aware that this film has some things that aren't so great, but I'm going to let my fellow co-host kind of go into that more because I feel like he could probably explain it better. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Uh, and I'm assuming that you're talking about me because I think one of the things that we've established just completely upfront is that all of us universally really love this movie, but unfortunately someone has to be a dissenting opinion. Someone has to be a dissenting opinion, which is why I always do a segment that I like to call, we like to call the context. Olivia, drop in your beat right now. <laughs> wow beautiful that's going to be a wonderful song right there it's going to be absolutely wonderful so one of the things that we like to do on shame watch is provide a little bit of context about why someone might feel a little bit of shame and again what i've established is that we all universally like this movie hands down not one of us has a dissenting opinion which is why i brought in this outside review from Ira Madison III, no relation, of MTV.com. I love Ira. Uh, 
Do you know Ira? I don't know him personally, but I love his commentary on Twitter. <laughs> and he also hosts a podcast called Keep It. It's it's phenomenal. Ira, so, well, uh, come on the pod. Tweet. Yeah, Ira, come on the pod. We're going to tweet it. Ira, please. I'm such a huge fan of yours. You're just the sassy co-host that we need. <laughs> Ira, we might have something in common. Who knows? <laughs> uh, Aaron, I don't know why you would say that. We've established that we all like this movie. Yeah. And Ira is the dissenting opinion here. In a review from Ira Madison of the Third, No Relation, published December 19th, 2016, in a review titled La La Land's White Jazz Narrative. Uh, Damien Chazelle's tribute to jazz music is a Trojan horse white savior film in tap shoes. And the review officially starts. Now, Damien Chazelle likes jazz music. But more than blaming his musical obsession for La La Land, I suppose I can blame Carl Van Vechten. It is, after all, Van Vechten's 1926 novel, and I'm paraphrasing here, N-Word Heaven, that fueled white interest in the Harlem Renaissance and led to the gentrification of the neighborhoods, nightclubs, and brownstones, and likely indirectly led to Chazelle's father's interest in jazz. After a November screening of La La Land, Chazelle regaled a crowd at the Chateau Marmont with a story about how his father influenced his love for the genre. He was a jazz obsessive and made sure that I listened to it. In fact, La La Land opens with a stunning and visually masterful dance sequence sung by an incredibly diverse group of Los Angeles denizens. But after the song concludes, we immediately cut to Emma Stone in her car on the way to an audition. Those people of color who gave it their all in the opening sequence are quickly whisked away so the Caucasian sing-along can begin. Ryan Gosling also stars as a jazz whisperer. This makes La La Land into a Trojan horse white savior film. The fate of a minority group depends on the efforts of a well-intentioned white man. Gosling's character wants to play freestyle jazz instead of the Christmas jingles he's been hired to perform because, damn it, if the people can't hear real jazz, then it's going to cease to exist. Gosling and Emma Stone's love story begins with her admirations of his piano skills. This courtship takes them to a jazz club where Stone and Gosling dance to the inviting strumming of neo-noir jazz strings. Inexplicably, the black people in the nightclub are absolutely mesmerized by Gosling and Stone's jitterbugging. At one point, Gosling grouses over the fact that no one understands what real jazz is. He understands so much that he doesn't bother to pay his bills. He'd rather play vinyl in his apartment. Even John Legend tells Gosling that jazz was innovative in its time. So if he refuses to reinvent jazz in the present, then he's really not living up to the spirit of the genre. Gosling agrees until he doesn't and eventually opens up his own jazz club and gains him a black apprentice who's pretty good on the piano himself, but not too good. Otherwise, he'd own Gosling's club himself. According to Variety, Chazelle spoke to Michael B. Jordan about portraying Gosling's role at one point, but that possibility imagines Lionsgate either producing an Oscar-contending film about two black people struggling through the world of jazz music rather than slavery or Jordan courting a white actress for a modern update of Save the Last Dance. Both scenarios seem implausible. An advertisement for Van Vechten's 1926 novel in The New Yorker once asked, why go to Harlem cabarets when you can read and word heaven? I love that. Now you could just watch La La Land. Well, now I feel shame. <laughs> now I feel a lot of shame for liking this film. <laughs> for uh, whitewashing it. I'm just going <clears> to... <throat> Uh, for the listener of the podcast, James is currently constructing what seems to be a cocoon made out of silk that is coming from <laughs> his own body. In six months, I'll return a better person. Yes. Uh, he will be a woke butterfly. Uh, 
I enjoy this movie. I enjoy this movie, problematic stuff aside, but that's just the burden of that's just the burden of representation because the, the, the unfortunate thing is is that there's just not many movies where it, I, I mean this is definitely Damien Chazelle co-opting an entire subculture and then assigning it to a white savior. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and also, uh I I, I think the first hour of this movie is sheer perfection because we just can't necessarily cancel everything. We can acknowledge the problematic behavior. And I think it's up to the responsibility of the filmmaker in order to, and the people involved to acknowledge their problem behavior and be able to move on from it. Um, and then also it's up to the system to be able to provide opportunities for people of color in order to, to to tell their own stories and tell not just their own stories but stories in general there just needs to be more representation so i mean la la land has inherently problem structure because damien chazelle is definitely immersed in the world of jazz you just look at his background uh whiplash which is all so good love whiplash which by the way jk simmons is in this movie yeah he's the (laughs) club owner we stand yes yeah I uh, I love Whiplash. Uh, uh, can I gr- be granted a sidebar? Yes, granted. 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 I love Whiplash so much. The editing and how that syncs with the music and the cinematography is perfection. I love it. Uh, I think I like it more than La La Land just because of the sheer uh, movie-making aspect of it. Yeah. Uh, Okay, that's also I want to talk about. Really, I really love. Wait, Wars. are there are the are the cuts better than the ones in Burlesque? <laughs> I want to hear. Yeah. I want to hear. Kenny's oh, take on hands that. down. One of oh the yeah, I, it's less sporadic. Yeah, and it it has a whole bunch of wonders that also are not showy. They feel like they are. Mm-hmm. It's it's more of a classic style of filmmaking, which makes sense considering how much Damien Chazelle is aping past styles. And it seems like non-showy wonders. It's generally just the, for me, seems like the best way to tell the story, show the characters, show the environment, and show the athleticism of all of these things. It's, I love me some wide shots, as we established before, as we established in the burlesque yeah. episodes, as we've established in our Magic Mike XXL episode. Kenny loves wide shots. I love wide shots. Wide, more movies should have wide shots. Hot. Amen. That's on our merch line. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get started on it. I'll add it to the list. Yeah. But yes, but Damien Chazelle's background in jazz. Yeah. The Damien Chazelle has a genuine background in jazz. He was a jazz drummer growing up and he he knows this world. And also jazz does not belong to white people. No. Uh, no. No. Uh, but this movie has other issues that we'll talk about, but I, I just think that it's going to be really hard because we all unanimously agree that this movie is great. Like, we all, all of us... <laughs> no one disagrees with that no statement. No one disagrees with this. Unanimous. Yeah. It's like, why even have the the shame watch episode if no one... If, if we all love it, and we only feel a little bit of shame. I, I mean, mean, I feel shame now after that review. Sure. I mean, it's, even... Ostensibly, our most positive, happy, uh, happy-go-lucky person, Aaron, 
it just seems like he loves this movie and Aaron loves oh, yeah. everything. Aaron does love I mean it's like not even a thought because he loves everything, you know? You like you don't even have to do a check-in. Yeah. You don't have like to he, ask him about his opinions. Because like you every, just automatically assume he loves it. Like I pay thirty bucks. He's a, yeah, good, guy. He's a good guy. Like last week I paid thirty bucks and James yeah. paid thirty bucks for things and Olivia's right. definitely paid thirty bucks for things. But Aaron like Aaron never talks bad about anything, and that's just not something yeah, but, like he's never had to pay thirty dollars because he's had to dunk on something, and that's Mm-mm. just that's one of the great things about Aaron. Yeah, he usually just he usually just pays the thirty dollars every episode <laughs> because that's that's what he does. He's, he's a good guy. Terrible. He's a good he's Samaritan. A good guy. Uh, Aaron, you're being really quiet. What's going on, buddy? Yeah, and I see your face is just uh, hot red. It's like a glowing iron put in a fire. Moisturize, moisturize. You're oh, the skincare yeah. guru. Buddy, you buy moisturize. Yeah. Uh, Aaron, it looks like you're taking a fork and just jamming it right into your carotid artery. That's that seems weird. What oh you, wow, there's blood everywhere. What do you and then mean? now you're pulling up a pistol, uh, poster of Ryan Gosling and just stabbing it a bunch of times. Uh, looks like you're taking a picture of John Legend and t- oh wow, you're just defecating on it. Oh my god, reason? Aaron! Hey, I mean, this is an opportunity to maybe turn it into a thirst trap. I mean, we'll that's see. a bold like, thirst trap, though. It's a bold mm-hmm. strategy. Let's see if it pays off here. <laughs> Um, I really, really love Whiplash. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I thought it was bold. I thought, um, it was, uh, a a really fresh stance on something that we've never really talked about. I know I'm not a, I'm not a music education person, but I know there are some problems in that piece that it doesn't get that extensive and then some people say it does um you know everyone aaron's right i forgot to end my sidebar i apologize sorry uh end sidebar end sidebar great okay now we can talk about la la land that we all agree that we like i will never say this film is bad But I will say I fucking hate this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Go on. And let's go down my my line. Um, And that was my first line, actually, that I wrote when when watching this film in my notes. Um, I will never say this movie is bad. I just fucking hate it. The parking lot scene is so much fun. These collars, so vibrant and alive. It drips with a timeless experience. Oh, God, here they come. Um, I can't stand Gosling and Stone's performance in this. I just... Really? I love Emma Stone. I love love both of them. I think they're tremendous actors of our time. I think they do such a great job in anything that they do. And then they showed up in this, and I just wanted to shit in my pants for two (laughs) hours and nine minutes. Oh, Um, shit. It's... They're just... I... (laughs) All the, the 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 bold things that Damien Chazelle does in Whiplash, just and the thing is, like the way I see Chazelle is is he's kind of like the Academy's Edgar Wright, because I love Edgar Wright's editing, I love his fast paced movement, I love you know how quick he is, and you know my my attention gets kind of drawn, you know pretty easily and it, it, you need you need to keep me at pace with it and he and edgar wright does that so well and it, you know you have to have a really good story 
for me to like follow along. That's why I love Del Toro. His story, he's a very slow moving director, but but his stories are so enthralled and, and I can't get out of that quicksand because it's so good. As opposed to to Edgar Wright, he keeps me sprinting the whole time. And when I'm done, I'm like, damn, that was a fantastic movie. And Damien does the same thing. I, I, I'm very quick and, and very I'm moving along with the story so fast that I turn around. I'm like, wow, I just went through all of that. Oh, my God. And then La La Land is just dripping with this timeless energy. And I can't argue that it really is like it, it's really brilliant to just be like you're, the whole time you're like, am I in 2016 or am I in 1942? I, I genuinely mm-hmm. can't put my finger on it. Yeah. Um, and then you see a Toyota Prius and you're like, ah. 2016 and then you're like walking past a a 64 clunker and you're like where am i and i i think and then you see their shoes and you're like people don't dress like that in 2016 and then you see someone holding a cell phone and you're like where am i so i think it's a really great timeless energy that i i think will be fit to last but at the same time i really agree with everything that madison the third said um i uh pocs are seen as set pieces in this film um i i don't crack a smile. And I wrote it down. Oh, J.K. Simmons. Thank goodness. I finally cracked a smile. Um, but Simmons and Legend are the only times I genuinely smile throughout this the, movie. The gall and the nerve to have John Legend be in this movie and have him seem in Again, I like this movie. I really like this movie. And the song that John Legend plays in this movie, oh. it's a honker. It rules. It's, it's gorgeous. Slaps. And so hard. The, the gall of this movie to frame that as some kind of violation, yeah, to our, to Seb's artistic integrity uh, is is bizarre. John Legend is so marvelous. The youngest, the youngest egot we've ever had. Oh damn! <laughs> and, I mean, and to just mm-hmm. to read fair, him like ugh. it's it's in the name Legend. Amen. Amen. We stand. We yeah. stand a legend. <laughs> and yeah. And, and the, the whole problem with, with my, my whole problem with this film is I don't care about <laughs> Seb. I, I don't care about Emma Stone. I don't care. Like they're just like, when, when, when I'm not making it, beep, beep, boo, boo, why can't I have any fun? <laughs> like, fuck you, dude. Like, that's just how dreamers are. All right. You just like, got to fucking I deal with the cards that you have. <laughs> I think it's important to acknowledge one of the big reasons that uh, pushed to have La La Land on the schedule is because we knew how Aaron felt about that. Yeah. And uh, wanted to get all of these thoughts on the record because Aaron is so effusively positive on so many things. But not and this. To see the amount. This is unprecedented yeah. like these times. Yeah. Yeah. To, to see the vitriol, uh, it's it's exquisite. It, it's so formulaic. It's so goddamn formulaic. Like, I swear to God, like Matthew McConaughey is just waiting to just take Seb's spot. If this was done in the 2000s, Matthew McConaughey right, would right, be coming right. out and I'd still wouldn't care. I like I just I I can't. It's so formulaic and flashy. I remember, to be completely honest, I didn't like this the sec the first time I watched this in theaters. Big fan of watching films by myself. I know I'm. I'm in a welcome company. Yes, uh, a, love it. As far as that goes, yeah. you are in welcome watching... company, but we're also alone in our company, like we all exactly. Sit, Amen. Yeah, we social distance. I'm always alone, but it's but, but, yeah. <laughs> big fan of watching movies by myself. And I remember I watched this one in the Regal Arboretum uh, in 2016, um, 
And I remember when everything of, was said and done. Off of what, I-35. What day was uh, it? No, this one's off 183. 183? Regal Ar- yeah. Oh, the Regal Arbor up north? Yeah. Oh, I think that's by oh, me. Man. Was that by the issue? Yeah, that's, James, that's, yeah, that's like by the where Regal Arbor, The Regal Arbor 8? Yes. Can we sidebar? Can I request a sidebar? Yes, yes granted. granted. Because yes. it's going to be very Austin specific, but gosh, I just love movie theaters in general. I Anytime that I go to on vacation, uh, one of the things that I like to do is just go see a movie at a, at a place <laughs> because that's what I like to do. I like, I don't know if anyone knows this, I like watching movies. Wait, and what? Regal Arbor is this weird chain theater that only plays art house movies. Uh, which is which is so it's so bizarre. I remember the first movie that I ever saw there was a movie called My Cousin Rachel. Now, if you're <laughs> thinking, if you're thinking, I've never heard of this movie. You're correct. This movie does not exist. It's not a movie that anyone has ever seen. But I had a free ticket to it. It's a movie that came out in 2017. And stars Rachel Weisz and Sam Claflin, I believe. And it's kind of oh yeah, uh, he's Finnick O'Dare, I think, in Hunger Games, and he's yeah. hot. Oh, he's in Catching Fire. Sorry, but yes. Yeah, we stand a Sam. Um, and I remember being in the concessions line for this theater, which is just a, a small eight, well, small relatively because it's only got eight screens, but it literally like the lobby is small. And I remember standing in line for the concessions, waiting to go see my cousin Rachel, this movie that I had never heard of. And I was looking at the other seven screens and I proceeded to not recognize any of the movies that we're playing now i y'all know me again i've established in this episode i like movies i like to think that i have a finger firmly on the pulse of what the heck is going on so to be in a theater that the other seven movies i literally have no idea what they are was such a bizarre experience in a regal theater no less it was awesome i loved the regal arbor I, I nice. lived up in that area. I lived like maybe three or four blocks away from that movie theater when I first moved to Austin. And I was like, oh, cool, a movie theater, like right by where I live. That's awesome. I could even walk there if I wanted to. Heads up, never walk there because Austin's fucking hot. Yeah. Um, but I remember I would drive by and I would see the marquee and I'd be like, I really haven't heard of anything. And I remember the first time I had stopped at that theater was to watch Capote. Capote was at that theater for some reason. Um, and then I drove by and I was like, oh, cool. They have La La Land. I'll stop by and watch it. Those are the only two movies in the entire existence that (laughs) I lived in that area of the movies that I knew, (laughs) which were La La Land and Capote. Everything else I would drive by every day did not know a a damn thing. And uh, the only two films I ever knew on the marquee, La La Land and Capote. Capote, a marvelous experience. La La Land, not so much. That's but awesome. I, I remember sitting in the movie theater, and I, I distinctly remember like when the lights coming up and and my eyes are adjusting from the the unicorn turd I just watched for two hours and nine <laughs> minutes, and and the the sparkle and the the, the pizzazz is all do- said and done, and I remember thinking I was like that was such a mediocre love story. And then I remember like hearing people like walk past me, be like, "Wow, that was really good." Gosling and Stone did so good, and I just kept like turning around, and be like, "We were in the same theater." <laughs> and then like people just keep going, just be like, "Wow, 
I'm so glad John Legend was in it. And that was like the only time where I was like, same sister, right there with you. Because everything else was just like, I wasn't for it, man. And then like, we get a jazz history lesson from a white guy. Not a big fan of that. And and just like, yeah. POCs are seen as just like set pieces and, and literal stepping stones to get them where they're going. And it's just, it, and I think my biggest problem with it is it's a movie for dreamers. And I am absolutely with you. I, I think your dream can never be crushed. You should never, you know, set your dream aside. I think it is so important to have dreams bigger than this earth. I think it is so important to do that. And if you don't have th those big of a dreams, cool. But as long as you aspire for something, you know, five years ahead of you, 10 years ahead of you, 15 years ahead of you, I am all for that. And I love that. And I think it is such an important part of our, our humanity, of our culture, of everything. I think it is so important. <laughs> I just think the way that the dreamers are portrayed in this is just unrealistic. And it, it, to me, it can be seen as harmful for those who are. And it, it's just kind of a bummer that if you don't get what you want and you still don't get the SO, it, it's it's kind of a bummer. And I under and I'm all for unhappy endings. I I'm a big fan of that. If that if that's what you get, that's what you get. But I just could not I I it, don't think <laughs> the unhappy ending is deserved in this movie. And this is an issue that I have with Damien Chazelle endings in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what Flash is ending. I liked it. I liked it. Oh, well, because here's the thing about Damien Chazelle's ending, uh, and I haven't seen all of his movies. Um, I haven't seen Guy Madden on on a park bench, but I've seen Whiplash. I've seen La La Land, and I've seen First Man. Uh, First Man's ending. All of his endings are superb, and also they don't belong in the movie. Because the ending yeah. for Whiplash is superb, but also the movie has ended. Yeah. The, the story is done. In La La Land, the story is done whenever she goes back to the audition. The movie's done. And then you mm -hmm. also get this superb sequence of longing and she's achieved her dreams. And it's it's basically another movie jammed into the last 15 minutes. Like it's kind Aaron's, of like an epilogue. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like like Aaron said, like the movie repeatedly says, this is a movie about people dreaming. It's the celebration is not in the acquisition because anytime anyone goes to their thing, they're always sorely let down. Like Emma Stone uh, auditions. She's excited to go to the audition. She goes to the audition and it's a terrible experience. Uh, she gets a call back. She's super excited for the call back, the, getting the call back is an ecstatic experience and then she goes to the callback and that's a dour experience the the excitement is all in the potential now that the problem of getting to, to those things and all of those being letdowns that's not the problem um i i think that's actually a really great message because uh mm -hmm. like aaron said it's important to have dreams mm -hmm. yeah uh, and also this movie in the second half because i think the movie takes a sharp drop in quality in the second half is the movie stops being about dreams and starts being about i i guess practicality which is selling out yeah in a way that would have been if they had had one conversation because the way that the selling out portion happens is seb overhears Mia talking with her mother and how he doesn't have a steady job. And it's one of those rom-com tropes. Yeah. That's not necessarily bad. 
I, tropes are not bad. I like tropes. Tropes are good. Tropes work. Also in our merch line. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 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 Tropes, tropes are not bad. And the, also the unfortunate thing about La La Land is because it had this framing of being one of the best pictures of 2016. It's got all of this expectation behind it, when in reality, and again, I, I say this not as a slight, it's just the way that it is. This movie has a kind of cheesy rom-com script logic to it that also happens to be superbly and colorfully directed with performances that I can really get behind. So you, one of the joys of this podcast is being able to take a movie on its own terms, try to divorced of all of the hype and just look at this movie as what it is. And I think it works on its own terms. And it's just kind of a disappointment in the second half because it fails to be about the dreamers. It becomes mired in all of these. It, it, it mechanically injects conflict in a movie where it spent the first hour just being a celebration of the work. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Also, I have, uh, can I request a sidebar? Granted. 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 Thanks. So the conversation that Mia and Seb after the audition that she has for the movie, when she says, if I get this part, and he says, when you get this part. So before, like, I guess like the first few times I've seen this movie, I'm like, you know, wow. Like, you know, I didn't really think too much of the scene. The ending is like, oh, wow. Like, you know, doesn't end, you know, how we had kind of, most people, would have wanted it to. Uh, I say that this movie has resonated with me in so many ways, as I've discussed earlier in the episode, but I really felt something when I watched that scene again this morning, because without going too much into detail, I'm going to share one of my romantic anecdotes. I love Uh, it. Yes. And Olivia, I believe you have a stinger for this as well. Yeah. So we're going to drop that stinger in uh, right now. Thanks, guys. I just really had to get wow. that off my chest. So I know the beauty of that stinger. Mm-hmm. That's good. Thank you. Well, this this part's gonna this part stings a little bit. Speaking of stingers, so I want to say you know, like without giving too much detail, I had a conversation with a former nice. beau, and we thank you. It was very cordial. It was a, well, actually, it was a really difficult conversation because. The attraction was there. Uh, we asked, though, the question, what are we? Woo. And there were there were a lot of different factors at play. Uh, we weren't necessarily together when we were having this conversation. But it was a conversation about, you know, what we wanted out of life. And one of the reasons why we probably couldn't work out uh, was because our career paths were different. And... And he, he was pointing that out to me. And at the time it was, it was already a tough conversation just to have, but then I also add in like the buzzed factor. So you're kind of like, huh, like what's happening? Um, <laughs> you're I'm like, I'm like, I'm, I'm sipping my vodka cranberry and my water trying not to look like in his eyes directly. Uh, Cause I'm like, this isn't happening. No, this isn't happening. But I realized, so anyway, he was, explaining everything and and as we as we've established i'm a musician yeah olivia's and a professional musician we yeah we, yeah. we stand a professional musician correct but, thank you and we had this the conversation and i'm like rambling a little bit and he was talking about how like 
we couldn't work because what we want to achieve out of life are total polar opposites. Like his career path was definitely invo involving a lot of highly classified info and just more of a private type of life. But he told me, he's like, when you get a record deal and I go, what are you talking about? And this is kind of when I got out of my like buzzed phase a little bit. And he goes, Olivia, like you're, have you, you know, do you know like how great you are? Like, and, and we don't, we don't self-deprecate on this pod, but this was a moment where I definitely self-deprecated. So I'm just talking about the moment itself. And he goes, when you, when you get a record deal and I go, what are you talking about? And he's like, and I go, yeah, like, you don't think you're going to, you don't think you're going to go for it. And I go, no. And I go, that's the Ugh. thing. And I was like, I mean, I would like, I Ugh. was like, I would like for those, but yeah, this is, I know this moment's not great, but I was like, I would like for those things to happen, but you know, I have to be realistic. Like, yes, I would love for that to happen and I will work hard and everything, but it's just, you know, if, if I have to be realistic, I, I, if I get to just do something that I love, like then I'll be happy. And I mean, I'm going to keep working for it, but I also have to keep in mind that it may never happen. And, you know, he was looking at me just like correcting me, like, no, when, you know, cause I feel like you, you are destined to, to go far. And so out of that context now, it, it just reminded me of that conversation where Seb and Mia are on the bench. And it's also remi reminds me of another conversation they have. I believe it was after he fails to show up to her one woman mm -hmm. show. And she's like, I quit. I'm done with this. Like I'm tired of, you know, just, you know, rejection after rejection. Like somebody is like ordering a sandwich or on the phone or, you know, she's like ready to give up. And I've never really been at that position ready to give up. But it's one of those things where like I had that similar mindset at the time for that very one conversation. And yeah, watching it, I was like, ooh, uh, that kind of hit really if, hard. If I may, Olivia, if I may, because we, we are yes. all local theater people. We all participate in local theater. I think that would be fair to say. Yeah. When it was alive, yeah. Sure. Uh, one theater will survive in Austin, I'm sure. Well. Uh, so I, I couldn't help but think about Mia's predicament because she in the second half of the movie she's putting together her one woman show so, so long boulder city so long boulder city that's what it's called write that down aaron aaron write that down i need you to write that down it's called so long boulder city and i guess i'm just led to believe that she has only been able to rent a theater for one night is that is is would that be I fair guess. To that's what a it weekend, seems like. probably. Yeah, sure. like a weekend run or something. Well, it, the movie makes it seem like she's only been able to procure this one night of a theatrical exhibition for her one-woman show. Ten or so people show up, but all of us as local theater people would probably say that if we're going to commit to a theater rental, or at least putting together a show, we would make sure that the show is extended for like a fairly lengthy run. Like, at, well, mm -hmm. <laughs> for awards purposes here in Austin, we like to make sure that there's at least six performances going on so we could possibly qualify for award consideration. James? Yeah. I, yeah, I'm totally not agree. Gonna, I'm not going to... Yes. 
James. I, I have my own opinions about awards in Austin, but go I on, go on. Save James. my time. No. Oh, we gotta close my sidebar real quick because we never. Oh, yeah, sidebar. So, yeah, sidebar closed. Thanks for letting me talk about my love life. If you've enjoyed that, uh, feel free to stay tuned for Baywatch. And we may even also have a $25 tier where I talk about all the things I learned in therapy. Uh, okay, now side Speaking of over. adding things, uh, James, have you added the $5,000 goal for the Jellicle Minute? He has not. Oh, I did not. I apologize. James, can you, so let's stop the podcast so you could do that because I want to make sure that we're, we're accountable yeah. right here. Because uh, I think if you could just in. do that. I also switched out the logos on the Patreon because I logged into the Patreon for the first time so I could upload the cat's commentary. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, so I swapped that out. Uh, Thank you. I think it's just a plain shame watch buoy logo on there. So there's a little bit of visual delineation between the main podcast feed, which has Olivia's lovely face on it. Thanks. You're welcome. Keep keep talking. I'll, I'll uh, do it. Uh, 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 this movie's funny. I think Go this on. movie is super funny. This movie... This movie is a rom-com. I, I, I think it's, for me, it's important to establish that this movie is a rom-com in the same way that probably When Harry Met Sally is. Harry, when Harry Met Sally slaps. When it Harry does. Met Sally honks. And I think rom-com has gotten a very derogatory association to it. Like it's some sort of slight when in fact rom-coms actually rule and it's not a rom-com that sucks. It's the fact that a whole bunch of people were trying to turn out subpar rom-coms because they were always able to turn a buck for so long without having to invest too much cash in it so it was just kind of shoddy workmanship as opposed to one of our rom-com works and damien chazelle is such a visually engaging director i i think there is a, a little bit of a disconnect because he he brings it so much visually and the script is just okay it's a fi- it's a fine script it's an adequate script that is more than made up for with uh, superb direction and excellent performances. What is your, yeah. Aaron, Aaron, what's your beef with uh, Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling in this movie? My, my beef is not with them. It, it's my beef is with their characters. They're, so you, they're so boring, you, flat characters that I don't care if you succeed and I don't care if you fail. You have given me no reason to care if you succeed. Oh, boo hoo. You came from a small town. So did I. Cool. We're step. Me too. We're, we're yeah. Only green like, Ohio. It has two hills. <laughs> Yeah. Two hills. You're you're really in love with a certain passion. Cool. A lot of us are. What sets you apart? What makes you different? What like you're and and I I will admit I do like that part where it it's easy because you're a dime a dozen if we're being honest. Um, and they really set that tone whenever she's walking out of an audition and she's walking down a hallway of redheads and she gets into an elevator with redheads in white shirts the only thing that sets her apart is she has a coffee stain that she got from the coffee shop she works at and and that's and my my only beef is just that it's so boring and formulaic and it's just and you want me to feel bad for these people when i have no reason to have any emotion towards them except that they're dancing cool oh cool there's tension because you gave them the bird within the first 10 minutes if i may counter if i may counter aaron go ahead musicals are cool they are, and I totally love the musical numbers where they're not in it. <laughs> I the movie explodes out of a cannon. Out of a cannon, it, the, like the first ten movie, ten minutes of this movie. Like I again, I think the first hour of this movie is perfect, but the mm-hmm. the first ten mo- minutes of this movie is sublime. Like, that parking is, lot scene is gorgeous. It is transcendent. The first ten minutes of this movie and. Are you talking about when they're on the ramp 
for like the 105 and 110. Yeah, another yeah. day of freeway. Another day of sun honks. I love that number so much. I have the soundtrack to this movie. Yeah, <laughs> so. it's so good. Yeah. An unfortunate thought that I had while watching <laughs> Another Day of Sun is that it also feels like a Coca Cola commercial. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, because it's kind of like look at how diverse we are, and then like Ira Madison the third said it then goes to follow the two white folks in the movie as opposed to like shoot there are such better singers in that first number and i also like episode of ryan gosling singing and dancing as well in this movie i will say the saving grace for me for this whole entire film was the oscar experience only because oh. <laughs> and i know it's been talked about time and time again Has but when it? they won wait what happened <laughs> Where where were you when the Oscar flub happened? I want to hear everybody's accounts of that. Uh, I, mean, I, I I probably just watched it the next morning because there's 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 no way that I'm just gonna sit there and watch. I have a four story. Hours of Oscars. I, I don't. For, I don't have a story. Uh, I have a, for me, I have a, oh, I have a story. Okay, go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead, Aaron. Uh, for me, I remember watching it and. I turned it off. Like once, once they were like, and the the award goes to La La Land. I was like, oh no, I'm not going to, to pander to what you were trying to get me to fall for. And I turned it off. And I remember when I woke up in the morning and I was checking Twitter, and I saw the memes first. I was like, wait, what? And I finished watching it, and I was so, I was like, that's the perfect ending for this movie. I thought they were filming for the movie that they were going to get told they got it and then they got it taken away from them just like you know reality hits and then i was like oh cool haven't seen moonlight but i'm gonna check it out now and it just wasn't uh yeah that i uh it was a it was an arduous experience in those 12 hours yeah hot take moonlight good movie yeah still need to it's watch a good it. movie barry jenkins <clears throat> yeah good director he makes yeah he, he makes a good movie it it it's it's uh, not linear, but it I like it. It's a good it's it's bold. <laughs> so I have a funny I have a funny story about that gas. Uh, I was I was working at my former job at the local TV station, nice. and in a yeah, um, in a rare move, my boss at the time I had a really great boss for like a short period of time there. He nice. was like, he saw the potential. Yeah, no, we, we stand. Um, we, I stand him. Um, so he was like, Hey, I want you to go. And you know, we're, we partnered up with the Alamo draft house. They were having some kind of Oscar event where people could, could go watch the, the ceremony in theaters. And so I went with our main anchor and there was like a red carpet and we all dressed up and, we did like a pre-show talk and then during the ceremony that's when i would do like live tweets and we had somebody back at the station do the live tweets for the station but then they would retweet what i would be doing because again this is all like experience that i mm -hmm. had in the past i mean i went to the show i mean like i was there on the carpet uh two years the prior. red carpet and the red carpet the the red carpet the uh, red and carpet. the red carpet and of course, you know, your girl took some thirst traps there. Uh, anyway, so we're watching the ceremony and best picture is is 
announced and they're like la la land and i'm in a theater where people are like oh, boo like oh, that's so cliche and so people people are like standing up getting ready to go and i'm like i'm i'm tweeting like the winner is la la land and then you hear the shots going wait no no there's been a mistake and then people are like some people like go back into the theater or some people just stop talking they're like the real winner Moonlight's the moonlight. You won, and everybody in the theater just starts cheering. Like it was, I'm like, what the fuck is going Good. on? <laughs> and I was like, is this happening? I mean, like, like it, you know, so, that film should be celebrated. It's so surreal. But it was it's so surreal. It was, it's, it was such a weird gap. It was. It was. It was just so funny because I'm in that moment, like there tweeting for my job and everybody in this theater like that I'm with they're just like what the fuck like oh my gosh and we just it was just it was hilarious and thank I mean like I mean it, it was it was amazing to see Moonlight be honored and and whatnot but oh my gosh the next day when I had to go into work and you know you see the top of the newscast the hook which is like the stories that they're going to present to you and that you know that news that newscast and it was the first thing and like every single hook and every single news program was the freaking oscars gaff and i'm just like, well because it was oh back my- to back wasn't it because wasn't it the miss uh miss universe pageant and then the oscars that we had back to back i think you're right i think so i think that's when steve harvey i think steve harvey did it said- first and then the oscars and everybody was like what the hell is going on and then oh, yeah. 2016 ended up being the way that it was. And it was like, I remember it was, it was like very back to back and everybody was like, we can't trust a single award ceremony this year because none of it, nobody's going to get it right. And yeah, then we, we lost all... trust in life after that. Well, it, and, and the funny, like the funny thing about it was the whole backstory was one of the guys who was in charge of securing the ballot got distracted because he allegedly, I don't know if, yeah, I think, I think this was confirmed, but he wanted to take a photo with Emma Stone. And so that's where all of that supposedly. Because the envelope said moonlight, did it not? Yeah. So the one, apparently Faye Dunaway said, Faye Dunaway and Warren Beatty and, you know, listeners, you can go back and like fact check this, but apparently they, when they got the, the card, it was, Emma Stone's envelope when she had already won. And so they were explaining in a later interview, like they saw the reason why they were like, you know, what, like what is because they saw Emma Stone's name and they were like, Oh, la la. So it was a recycled envelope. Yeah. Because the guy, like there's two accountants, like there's an accounting firm that the Academy had like worked with that is in charge of like securing the ballot and the guy who apparently was supposed to like deal with the best picture one got distracted and wanted to take a selfie with Emma Stone. This is what I saw again, like please fact check listeners. But she had a terrible character. Was... Why would you want to take a picture with her? Very Emma Stone's amazing and I yeah. love her. She is, is but her character that year was awful. Well, he got fired. This Oh, dude, poor guy. So. Uh, James, it, it looked like you had a thought. What was your What was your thought about this whole uh, calamity? I thought I don't remember if it was for Oscars or if it was for the Miss America thing, but wasn't the ballot also like really 
just not good visually because like i remember talking about my ux boot camp that i did where like it was just like the hierarchy of like every like the thing that was supposed to be important was like down at the bottom in small text and everything else was up at the top in like huge text yeah i i remember this because uh, i was reading an article and it like speaking about bad ux like they opened the envelope and then right before they were about to see the result a little pop-up window appeared to warren Beatty. it was like do you like oscars subscribe to our <laughs> newsletter and then anytime you try and click away from the modal it just keeps uh following you yeah yeah no. so it's, that's what we call a dark pattern actually <laughs> so i so i um pulled up the los angeles times article and it says um, that basically that PricewaterhouseCoopers, which is the firm that the Academy had worked with, um, the managing partner, Brian Cullinan, tweeted, tweeted a photo of Emma Stone, so there was no selfie, um, with her newly received award for lead actress at 9.05 p.m. Pacific. Uh, the tweet doesn't necessarily mean that he was, uh, you know, distracted from his duties, but it's also since been deleted from his Twitter feed and I guess, yeah, he was, that firm was in charge of like the Oscar envelope protocol. So yeah, it says there were two sets of winners envelopes and yeah, they, there was just some kind of gap there, but. But yeah, yeah. I, James, I do remember that. I remember, wasn't it like the text was really in a, like, like, like the background, the paper wasn't white. It was like silver or gray. Yeah. And then with like the black font, like they tried doing something like fun that year. Yeah. And it just wasn't working out. But yeah, because I remember like people were saying like it's taking people and it might have been the Miss Universe pageant or something. But people were like, yeah, it's taking them a while to like read off things. And but no, yeah, I think I do remember something about that. But God, what a whirlwind. Moonlight's great. Yeah. And then. And then you also take the take into account that Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway are not young, so Beatty's they old. had a hard time. Yeah, Beatty's like they were, old. you know, really looking at the envelope. But God, what a, what a moment! What a moment in Oscar history! You just could never forget that. I I will say I am glad that they were, and there's no way you could have hit it. But I'm glad that they, the movie themselves was honorable enough to say, wait, it's not us. Like, and it would have been found out eventually, but like to, to be the ones to call it out that, that says a lot. Yeah. I want to try and find this envelope. Uh, speaking of finding things, uh, James, did you add Jellicle minute as a goal yet? Yeah, I did. Yes. You can verify that on our Patreon. I hope. I have one more fun fact about this. This better movie. be fun, Olivia, or else I'm going to lose my <laughs> mind. No, it's amazing. So after this movie, after the Oscars gaffe, I actually went back to LA for, you know, just for my birthday, like a birthday the, trip. I the titular La La Land itself. Yeah. And, and I went after, after the Oscars gaffe. Um, and so I don't, when I was in the semester in Los Angeles program, I lived in the famous Oakwood Apartments, which is across the street from Warner Brothers, oh, the cool. Warner Brothers studio. And fun fact, it's named something else now, but that apartment complex is famous because that is usually where like the child actors, the aspiring child actors and their stage parents live. And so it's funny. Yeah, it's called something else now. There actually used to be a documentary on the, that particular complex. It's called um, the Honey Boy Apartments now. <laughs> it is? 
Oh shit! I just I just got your joke. <laughs> well, I uh, I had already been to the Warner Brothers studio, but I went again for this next trip after the Oscars gaff, and the coffee shop was there, so I took a picture outside. Although the person who took my picture like clearly did not know anything about lighting, so I will post that in the social media. It was not a good thirst trap photo, but it was a cute photo. And I got excited when I saw That's it. That's cute. So. That's fun, man. Speaking of lighting, yeah. I love the lighting in this film. Good looking movie. More movies yeah, should it, look it like I love it. I love when directors uh, work with their lighting department and make really stylized lighting choices. Can't get enough of it. Really I mean, love it. I think that every movie should have the saturation turned up to 200% because I love like colors. Yes. Yeah. No, 200%, James. Uh, I 200% agree. Thank you. Because more movies should have color, and uh, what I'm saying is that Zack Snyder movies look ugly. Um, <laughs> Not wrong, but uh, Justice League Snyder cut, Kenny. Look, it's coming. Justice two hundred percent saturation. Two hundred percent saturation could have had an Oscar. Yeah, but Zack Snyder's two hundred percent saturation is just adding a two hundred percent sepia filter on it. Is it Alan Cumming? Ah, I wish Alan Cumming would save that movie. He would. Anyway, speaking of segues, it's time to play the (laughs) podcast's fourth favorite game, the Rotten Tomatoes game. It's the Rotten Tomatoes game. Boom da boom boom splat. The Rotten Tomatoes game is based off of the website Rotten Tomatoes, a film review aggregator that takes all submitted film reviews, averages them out by a pass-fail system, then assigns a percentage on how many people might think a movie is either fresh or rotten. This is not a score that a film is X percent good. It is only a score of how many people just liked it. We're going to be asking our panelists for two numbers, one being a critical approval rating as well as an audience approval rating, and they will be giving me a guess of what those scores are without going under. Starting with the critical score and starting with one Mr. Aaron Salinas, out of 458 critical reviews, what do you think the critical approval rating is for La La Land? 87. 87. Why 87, Aaron? Because it's bait. It, it's really pretty. It's the lighting is beautiful. And then once you are driving home after you've already turned in your review a day and a half later, you're like, I don't think there was a lot of substance to that, but it looked polished. It's like when you go on a Bumble date with somebody you thought was hot. And then after the date, you're like, wow, there was really nothing there. Yeah. You get, you get Bumble dates? Because Bumble does not, not work not, for me. Not that often. Again, we can talk about that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking of having nothing there, Olivia, you have yet to make a guess. Would you like to put a number down for the critical approval rating for La La Land? So Aaron's going to hate me, but I'm going to say 89%. Now, <laughs> I'm, a li- I'm a little bit more optimistic. I believe people just really loved the color, the way it was shot. People love Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling as a cinematic pair because they love them in Crazy Stupid Love. And I don't know. There was another movie also that Gangster they were in. Gangster Squad. Gangster Squad. And, but, I, but I agree. I think critics were, if, if there's anything to harp on this movie, it's the whole white savior narrative with Ryan Gosling not only mansplaining to Emma Stone, which as is, but white splaining 
to the audience what jazz is. I mean, I certainly had no idea so. what jazz was, so I'm glad that <laughs> I mean, I, I, I didn't either, man. I mean, I, I mean, what do I know? I'm just a professional musician. Quite honestly, I, I thought that jazz, jazz only had one Z. Thank goodness Ryan Gosling told me that there were two Zs in jazz. I mean, like Barry from B movie, he was like, "You like jazz," and I, I feel like I got more out of that conversation. Yes, than- uh, <laughs> much like a toddler. Once Barry asked the audience if they liked jazz, I was like a toddler, going, "What that is? <laughs> what that is?" James, what's your guess? <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go with a bold. Bold strategy, and I'm going to try to go not under all the way, but under just enough, because my guess is 83, because I believe everyone liked it, everyone enjoyed it, but I still think there were some haters that um, are like the one Kenny read, so I feel like it knocked it down a peg or two. Well, yeah. speaking of haters, looks like I've got three haters right in front of me because you've all gone under what the actual critical approval rating is. Sure. The correct answer is 91%. I was thinking of 93 as an alternative to go forward. Well, James, uh, alternates don't count, as is the case of La La Land getting announced as best picture for the 2016 <laughs> Yeah, that's oh my true. God. Uh, but perhaps the audience had a different opinion, starting with Mr. Fight out of 71,277 audience rankings. What do you think the audience rating is for La La Land, starring John Legend? Mm. <laughs> uh, 88%. 88%. <laughs> yeah. Much like the time machine and Back to the Future, so too is James's guess. Hopefully, taking him back to the correct answer for the audience ratings. <laughs> yes, please. I, perhaps, need, I need that victory. But oh, nipping on the heels is the detective herself about to put in her verdict. I'm going to say 93 percent. Uh, I was born in 93, so I'm going to go with that. Kenny, I see you. What? <laughs> Does nobody has nobody else seen Kenny? What has no. nobody else no, seen Kenny? No, seriously, I legitimately don't know what you're talking about. No, okay, so Kenny, I know what you're doing. Like, what Kenny Kenny has like this bit that he started before the show, and James and I have no idea what's happening, but Aaron is in on it. I say 97 because people fell for it, okay. I know I'm in the minority on this film, but Kenny, I see what you're doing. When I'm are you going to do it? Doing anything. Aaron's losing his mind. Uh, that's not <laughs> all I that. I feel like I'm going nuts here. I don't know what he's talking about. Uh, that's not all that Aaron is losing. Aaron is also losing the audience. Yeah. James Fight, you are closest without going under. The correct answer is 81%. So Aaron, oh, that's good. You, you should okay. have been a little bit more pessimistic about this movie. Yeah, that's where that 83 came in. I got my wires crossed. Yes, and also your parents banged in 83. <laughs> uh, yeah, probably. Can you uh, me... What? I don't get it. I is it the shirt? It. Are you wearing... Uh... Yeah, what's wrong with my shirt, Aaron? I mean, I, I see, see Kenny. He knows what he's doing. That's what he's doing. 
I, I see Kenny change his name to Kenny Seb Madison, but I don't. Yeah, because my name is Seb. Yeah. Uh, I, I noticed that, but we always we always put it. Yeah. In I originally wanted to be Chicken on a Stick uh, because of Charlie Parker. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, that's been. So is he is he trying to be Seb? I guess. Well, I'm not trying to be Seb. I am Seb. Speaking uh, of that, I, I really like the style Ryan Gosling had. Yeah. I want to. I want to emulate that. Ryan Gosling is hilarious in this movie. He is so dry. He yeah. is so funny in this movie. It's so low key, and also I like it when uh, my Gosling looks tired. Yeah, and Gosling. I like a tired Gosling. Yeah, he's, he's trying to pull a Benicio in terms of how sleepy he looks. Uh, thanks. Uh, that's been an episode of Shame Watch. Thank you to Denise Hudson for our rock and theme song, and to James Garcia for our artwork. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Shame Watch on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and where podcasts are found. I'm I'm nervous because I don't know what Kenny is planning. What? Have, have suggestions, questions, comments, or general tomfoolery you want to contribute to the pod? Send it our way. Visit us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at Shame Watch Pod so we can talk with you. Uh, I'm still worried about Kenny. Uh, finally, you can contribute to our Patreon at patreon.com slash shamewatch. It does cost money to put superb content like this pub, pod, so even a $1 donation can make a huge difference. Uh, Kenny, uh, what do what do people get at the $10, $10 level? Is there a reason that you slowed down so much, James? I was reading something. And I can't read and talk at the same time. Uh, s- certainly. Uh, so what people get at the $10 level, it's a monthly picture of one of our hosts, Fee, along with a nice haiku written either by Aaron Salinas or James White, not from either myself or Olivia, as well as all the other po- perks that are found on all the previous levels. Olivia, what happens at the $7 level? Well, if all goes according to plan, we're hoping that Baywatch, the spinoff show about James and, and me talking about being single and the thirst, that's usually, that's probably where it will land. But for now, if you subscribe at the $7 level, you get behind the scenes content along with everything else in the lower tiers. Aaron Salinas, what do we get at the $5 level? Uh, behind the scenes bits along with everything else coming up is it behind the scenes because olivia just said it was behind the scenes at no seven dollar level the the pre-show bits there it is there it is buddy pre-show and, bits and at the two dollar level you get access to shame watch tv you get to listen to my cat's commentary along with other commentaries <laughs> and our movie marathons and i say your name on the podcast starting with kenny madison of austin texas Aaron O. Salinas of Austin, Texas. Gene Fight of Bowling Green, Ohio. Alan Smith of Leander, Texas. Bradley McPherson of Tulsa, OK. Jennifer Steinberg of Austin, Texas. Herc of Austin, Texas. Ian Keegan of Gillette, Wyoming. Danny Cantu of San Marcos, Texas. Miranda Suarez of San Antonio, Texas. Irene Suarez. Of San Antonio, Texas. And Nolan Barger. Of Oklahoma City. Okay. Until next time. Wait, James. Wait, 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 wait. wait. James, wait.
Uh, Aaron, you- since, since you broke the $30, where are you donating your 30 bucks to this week? Uh, Susan G. Komen. Correct? Yeah. I, I think that that one feels good. Um, actually, actually, can I counter that? Yeah, of course. Uh, if if you want, if you want to debt, uh, if you want to go ahead and change that to MetaViber, because a hundred percent of the proceeds go to research for stage Perfect. four. Yeah, nice. just yeah, just link it to me. Um, yeah, I'll I'll gladly do that. Um, but okay. uh, <clears throat> yes, I know it's Christmas. I see the I see the podcast. <laughs> the saving grace of this film until next time wait 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 wait, wait. city of pots are you playing just for me oh that's pretty yeah that was nice that sounded nice thanks i i cracked a little bit but you know no i couldn't tell kenny what's your thing no go until next time wait james wait (laughs) (laughs) did you learn the song That's why I was going insane because I saw it the first time, like when we were getting everything ready. I was like, what is he? And then he pulled it out full fledged and y'all missed it. Yeah, I completely missed it. Wow. Brilliant. Good job, Kenny. Yeah, that was really good, by the way. Thank you. Sound very pretty. That was awesome. Okay, until next time, our watch has now ended. Dive at your own risk. Pot 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 p